As 2022 begins, Monocle's ambitions are as global as ever, but we kick off the new year with the Chiefs a little closer to home. Just a stone's throw from our Zurich headquarters on Dufourstrasse lives Switzerland's largest internationally operating media company, Ringier AG. Though perhaps not a household name for all, Ringier is home to prominent Swiss news outlets such as Blick and has a significant media foothold in countries across Eastern Europe. Today, Ringier CEO Mark Valder joins me for a lively discussion about where media is heading next and what our constantly evolving relationship with news means for consumers and business owners alike. From journalistic neutrality to how to navigate the necessary evils of social media, we get to the heart of the questions, both practical and philosophical, that those in the media business are wrestling with today. I'm Tyler Brule in Zurich, and this is The Chiefs on Monocle 24. Mark, great having you here. We should probably tell our listeners first, we've been up in Helsinki, we've crossed to Bell Harbor, we've been everywhere uh, with this very short series. You've got the shortest commute because we are neighbours. I mean, you're a much, much bigger media house than we are, but it was an easy trip to get here today. It's my favorite trip. It's the best coffee and the best clothes I get here. So whenever I have time, I come here to the Monocle and to the trunk store. Okay, well, listen, Ringier as a company, as a business, uh, because we're neighbors, for our listeners uh, where you're not a household name, and of course, many people will, will know the group uh, through some association, maybe just set it up for us. Uh, what space do you occupy within a Swiss context, within a European context, and, and within a global context today? Ringier is a still family-owned company, fifth generation, so 180 years old. Big tradition was a publisher, 150 publishing brands in about 20 countries. Totally transformed the company within the last 10, 12 years, become a digital leader. We invested heavily into so-called digital marketplaces, which means job marketplaces, car marketplaces, marketplaces for real estate, invested into ticketing, e-commerce, etc. Still do media. Media is still core, is still at the heart, especially of our chairman, Michael Ringier. And do 80% digital EBDA now. We have 8,000 employees, and I think we are not one of the largest, but one of the most modern media companies in Europe today. So you're not alone in that space, and, and maybe we'll pick up on the marketplace area. You've got your friends in the, the Nordic region, maybe not just one, but certainly the likes of Shipstead have done very well in that area. But you, you also swing it back to, of course, you are still... At your heart, at your core, you think about Michael Ringier and his passion for newspapers and for media as well. Is it much of a tension at the moment? Because, of course, you see, obviously, what all this delivers. But then you have, if we, we step out beyond the studio here, you have Blick. It's interesting to say a respected tabloid brand, but but it is. I mean, you occupy a very, very interesting space. It's not a tabloid as we know it. And I think you'd ask probably a lot of people, even in daily life in Switzerland, they would associate you with that brand. So is there a tension in your mind uh, to be, of course, going head on in a world which it's still content, but it's not necessarily journalism versus still running newsrooms? Super good question. Uh, internally, huge conflicts in the past 12 years because we spent 2.5 billion Swiss francs into transformation, mainly marketplaces. Of course, 3,000 journalists were a bit disappointed because they thought they were, you know, left behind. We over-communicated transformation, digitization, uh, diversification. Now, interestingly enough, also because of COVID, I think 
media become more important again? Let me quickly explain. I think becoming more relevant for media has a lot to do with COVID. Uh, first of all, the news out there, there's so many studies, so many graphic, so many statistics. People desperately were looking for independent, reliable news sources first around COVID, but then they rediscovered media again, I think. So media, even on paper, so printed, um, and I wonder how you feel it in your company, have become more relevant. The commercial market thinks better of printed brands. Again, I think we have seen very good numbers in 2021, even though it was a tough year commercial partners go into print brands again. So I think there is a kind of rediscovery of media in general. The second thing you mentioned is our tabloid brand, the number one news brand in, in Blick. That was an interesting remark. It's maybe a Swiss compromise of a tabloid, but I do believe in upgrade journalism. So the typical mass media tabloid system won't work, I think. But on the other hand, Huge possibility, huge chance for a large media brand like Blick to increase relevance. So we are at the heart still a mass media, but we define ourselves as very reliable. We go into complicated topics. We try to explain the world, not only around COVID, around economical questions, political questions. And I think that's uh, what people look for. Look, the, the information kind of thunderstorm you have every day above you with all these pieces of news. At the end of the day, you want to get them kind of laid out to you so you can understand, you can deep dive into it, you take your time. So this is the chance of, I think, media again. When you talk about the Swiss compromise around Blick, maybe define that for us a little bit. The way I see it is that Yes, you've got popular stories and yeah, you get to maybe the deeper pages and there is someone who has a lip job that went wrong and, and in a way we kind of delight in, in those stories. But at the same time, you know, you are you're doing comparative statistics in, in COVID, looking at countries that are a little bit similar to Switzerland in the Nordic region. How are they dealing with it? Yeah, as much as you have, you know, foreign reportage off the back of recent tornadoes in the United States as well. So there is this heart of news, then there is this boulevard side of it. Has it been an ongoing evolution or yeah. I'm, it I'm, is, I'm really it is like the real life, I think. If we, if the two of us would have a dinner, we would probably discuss the topics you just mentioned. And we're trying to basically mirror all these topics. So, yes, there are less relevant topics about uh, show stars, maybe about affairs, etc., etc. But at the same time, super serious topics like, like macroeconomics, are we driving into an inflation comparison between different areas in Europe and how they deal with COVID, like how do the Scandinavians deal with COVID, how do others deal with COVID. At the same time, we see nationalism tendencies in different countries. We see what what is happening in France now, going into the uh, election. So I think that is just life. I think life is not only boulevard and that on the other side it's not only super serious news but it, it's kind of a mix and if i ventured east uh, from from zurich east from switzerland you're in other markets you are a serious player uh, and have been for a very long time in eastern europe i can remember one of the first times i met uh, your chairman michael ringier he was just you know 
heading off to, I think at that time, uh, it was somewhere in the Balkans, you know, elections were on. He felt it was very important as a newspaper proprietor and a media proprietor to be there. And you have, you've, you've had some interesting experiments in, in taking a Blick-style model to, to those markets as well. But if we look to Eastern Europe, still interesting territory, because you, you did a rather interesting uh, deal not too long ago. One could even argue you did a very interesting deal with, with Springer, which probably helped finance their bigger deal with Politico. It's like you almost put the money in their pocket and they did the deal the following week. But anyway, another topic. Eastern Europe for you guys and, and, and why the focus? You are very well informed. Yes, we did actually buy Axel Springer out in all these countries. So Serbia, Slovakia, uh, Hungary, the Baltics, etc. And we are the number one media company in all these all these countries. Politically, this is a total different game actually than, than uh, in countries of, let's say, the central European countries. Why? Politicians and parties still have kind of the feeling that they can rule media. You know, they have, media has been independent now for somewhat 25 years, which might seem long, but actually in the history of these countries, this is just a short period. So you are much more in the inner circle of those debates. Uh, Politicians and parties try to I would call it maybe influence you more than here, maybe try to in some way get closer to you. And on the other hand, that's what Michael probably meant when you said that he was just off to one of these countries, probably was Serbia. Super important that we are truly independent media in these countries. We're Swiss-based, everybody understands. We are therefore totally neutral and we just report what, we think is right. And I think that's important for these countries, not to be on a political side. We, we are never left or right. We're never black or white. We're never opposition or government. We are just independent, depending on topic by topic. And it's, it's interesting how you mention Switzerland. And of course, we all know what this white cross in a red background uh, stands for globally, what it means. It just brings me to maybe a side topic. You have another neighbor, almost literally across the street. I mean, we are in a bit of a, a media, a very small media district, but you have the the NZZ as well, which of course, the Neutzer Gesetung, which, which also has an international reputation in, of course, the German language space. And you're talking about the centrist point of view, Mark, which is interesting because it, you know, increasingly we can talk about other journals elsewhere in the world who see them as you know firmly on the left or they're firmly on the right. And, and it's, of course, as we know, it's becoming a huge, a huge problem. People mm-hmm. have their views about has the New York Times you know, swung too much you know, in the wrong direction. People think the same thing of, of papers in the UK everywhere. Do you think Switzerland has a role, not just in a, in a Swiss context, but in a global context? Here you are as players in Eastern Europe. We see the NZZ buying things you know, elsewhere in the world um, as well, maybe not so much in a new space. Does this country have a role in terms of freedom of speech, real discussion and debate and dialogue, to maybe be facilitating a different type of media conversation, which is not one from New York or not one from the US West Coast, or not one at the same time from Asia or elsewhere? I do think it has the possibility to become more important in what you're saying. I think it um, can do more. Switzerland as a historical place for neutrality, for big organizations, etc., has to play this role more actively again. Coming back to the media, maybe a personal view, and I'm, I'm wondering maybe how uh, 
people who listen to this interview think about it. I was personally super disappointed by CNN when they started to play the true opposition role in the Trump era. Why? I had the feeling that they were playing a, a political role which was just the official opposition of Trump. And I think media should never do so. Media can, of course, criticize politicians and, and Trump, of course, at the forefront. But media should not be in the other camp. It should not be A versus B. It should not be left versus right. It should be more neutral and topic by topic. So it should be less programmatic and more pragmatic. That's how we try to define media. Look, in uh, Poland, we do own the number one um, news and number one uh, online news and number one newspaper as well. And we do have a totally divided country in Poland. 51% is, is pro-PIS, that's Kaczynski and Morawiecki, and 49% is more liberal and pro-European. Now, our news brands should not be on the one side or on the other side, but they should be kind of, you know, debating constantly pros and cons. They, they can write a comment where they say, look, we are against this or against that, but they should not be a party within the political landscape, I think. So that is, a, I think, something that is deeply within the DNA of Ringe. Michael often gets asked, which party do you belong to? You know, himself as a person. None. Sometimes quite leftish, sometimes uh, super conservative. I think that's what media needs to be and not deciding we are constantly against Trump. I think that made CNN definitely less credible for me. Mm. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think it's something was a reminder for us as well. And I would say as senior editors with our own organization, we have to remind the rest of our colleagues, younger journalists coming in, because I think we do see there's this problem in newsrooms where people think that activism is journalism. Now, you could have an activist stream to what you do uh, and, and what your beat is, for sure. However, your role is not to be there as an activist. Absolutely. Activism, by the way, something I mentioned in a speech, journalists should never be activists. They should report on what is, and they should make clear if there's a comment, and the comment needs to be defined as a comment, but they should not play an activist role, never. It's something that we experienced, off, you know, I think, throughout this time of, of the pandemic. For us, you know, North America, the U.S. is a hugely important market. And I think certainly during the election period, we were reminded frequently because I think sometimes, like, well, yeah, maybe in our minds we have a core listener who is a Democrat. And, and that might be our heartland as a brand. It's fine. It might be our heartland, but that cannot define everything we do. And there were these moments where people were saying, hey, I, I read that editorial this morning or that I just found that that report was just, it was too fawning of, of liberal America. And by the way, I'm a paid up monocle reader and I disagree. And I would like to see you be much more nuanced right. in your coverage. So Super I, interesting. Maybe a philosophical point, Tyler. I think the algorithms in this world created those bubbles, you know, those smaller and smaller chambers of, of basically you within your opinion creating more of your opinion, etc. If you start Googling A on YouTube, you get more and more A, 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 A. So that's the bubble we are all talking about. This is a, this is a chance, a strategic chance for media also to open up 
space again to open up the debate again, the intellectual framework again. I think that's super important. If we start creating bubbles, and I think a lot of media do, then we do what the algorithms do, you know, smaller and smaller bubbles. I want to go back to television because you brought it up, not me. You talked about CNN. Now, if we walk down the street, I've seen your radio facilities. Mm-hmm. I've never seen your, your television facilities. But if I go on to Blick's website, there is a very, very slick television operation at play. Uh, at times, it looks maybe even better than, than CNN does. Is that a nice to have for a company like yours? Or do you see room for a proper... And we know rolling news is very expensive and rolling news by its very nature is very repetitive as well. But that strong video, call it television space, experiment right now or actually could could you go further with it? It was interesting that you said television or video. Well, we did too much television in the beginning. We came and said, look, as the number one news portal, we're going to be on air on our digital platform Six o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock in the evening. That was a huge mistake because you, you can't run a digital news platform having at the same time a news stream, digital TV screen from the morning to the evening. So that was a mistake. In terms of production, yes, you're right. I think we, we are on a level of the way it looks like uh, on bleak.ch. It, it is kind of a CNN-like production um, standard. Now, I do believe that audiovisual... Uh, will be more and more and more important. We see that, of course, uh, hundreds of millions of video views, but it's video views. If you are on a news platform like Blick or on a news platform like the New York Times or whatever, you want to see and understand the world in videos between 30 and maybe 60 seconds. That's the art because you're using your mobile phone and you're not using the big screen. So you have to play the game towards the mobile phone. And mobile phone means attention spans between 30, 60, maybe even 90 seconds. So we're shifting totally towards the right content, the right explanation within 60 seconds, within 90 seconds, by the way, truly relevant, truly relevant topics, and then to the next video. And not streaming from morning to evening. That's kind of the shift we did. And on that, the video space is crowded in the mobile world and there's there's no shortage of clips and I can go and, yeah, there's a chance that there's, there'll be a clip on Blick and I can go to Bildzeitung and I can go to The Sun and I can go to the Toronto Star and I will see that same clip. Where does the Blick angle come in? How does that piece of video that you might have captured, how does that become yours? Is the presenter, is is the anchor, do you still have moderation? Is that still important, do you think? Or is it just purely about that stolen moment? Or do you still need context? The, the big debate out there, and nobody knows where it's going to end, is, is media still a destination game? Meaning Tyler Brulé is coming to destination X, Y, Z? Or is it a distribution game? Meaning content is coming to Tyler Brulé from various brands, from various sources. So I think that's the core question. My Swiss view is, my Swiss view in terms of because it's kind of a compromise, is it's both. So destination means storytelling, look and feel, even anchor, women and anchorman. Yes, that's important. On the other hand, on the distribution game where content is just being displayed to you by TikTok, by Instagram, by Twitter, by YouTube, whatever the source is, 
there I think it doesn't matter. There you just want to consume content. If I talk to my older daughter and she tells me, have you read about Biden XYZ? And I say, no, I didn't see that. Where did you see that? She says, on Insta, or she does, or she says on Facebook. But the brand behind might be our brand, but she doesn't even realize. So that's the complicated world we're living in. So I think if you want to survive in today's world, you do have to do great brand building, great storytelling that basically tells everybody, this is my brand. I trust this brand. I like this brand. This brand entertains me or whatever. So let's not lose that because if we lose that, then we are lost. Okay, so you've you've opened up a complete Pandora's box. Now mm-hmm. we're going to need another hour to, to get through this. You mentioned TikTok, Insta, Facebook, whatever. Are these companies forces for good for you, Ringier, for us, Monocle, when, as you said, you, you hit it right on the head that there is someone might have seen an amazing fashion shoot. They might have seen some imagery. They don't know where it came from because it came it came to them on this third-party channel. There is no attribution to all of the hard work you might have done or we might have done or even the New Yorker might have done to that. So are these companies our, our competitors or are they our, our this, friends? This is the most, and I cannot answer it with a yes or no, but let me try to be as, as concrete as possible. This is the most important question for media industry. Are they distributors of our content that, basically helps at the end of the day our brands or are they just using our content in order to get bigger themselves super complicated i say if we don't display and distribute our content and we do have at the end of the day 250 different platforms who who distribute content in whatever way without them if we don't use those um, distribution channels then people will forget about our brand first and I'm totally convinced now if we only distribute through those channels we get less and less important because our destination gets less and less important so I think the science is doing both but not losing the people coming to your brand you know I mean if you have a young radio brand like Energy we have here, which is the largest private radio network in Switzerland, cool brand, great songs, etc., uh, in all the Swiss cities. Now, if we don't use TikTok, Instagram and Facebook and others and Snap for Energy, people would lose knowledge about our brand, especially the young ones who don't really know us yet, who are only using social media in their first kind of period of life. If we only distribute through that, we get worthless as well. So it's probably best of both worlds that we somehow have to deal with. And there are a couple brands who do this perfectly well. Let me explain one of them. Surprisingly enough, the New York Times has a great social media strategy. Mark Thompson, a long time and super successful CEO, did actually emphasize that distribution through these channels is super important, hoping these people and users will come back to the core brand of the New York Times, meaning the destination. He has proven he's right. Let's spend a, a little bit of time in what is maybe arguably the people in London might say otherwise, but uh, but New York really being recognized, of course, as the home of English language uh, journalism, uh, English language media, etc. English language. Now, you're we know your neighbors at the NZZ here in Zurich, they've started to do an English language newsletter. Seems interesting that they want to move into that space. Of course, now you're you're operating in a world which goes far beyond German language, but German language is obviously core. Is there room for a company like yours in an English language space? You've got this expensive studio. Could you be using that to do other things in, in English? Or, or is it 
a house rule look at. We, we focus on, on, on where we are in Switzerland. We look east, basta, end of story. That's, that's what we do. A very good question as well. Super strategic question. Axel Springer, as you mentioned uh, earlier, did the largest transaction ever, 1 billion for Politico. That's a super big number. Largest transaction we did was about 400 million for a digital marketplace. That would be too risky for me. I mean, media is still kind of a shaky thing in terms of investment. It, it's tough to say where media stands in five years, in 10 years. Media is super, super important. Don't misunderstand me. And it, 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 it's still kind of the, the, the heart of, of our company. But would I, be, would I do such a big transaction? No. Do we steer towards English-speaking countries? No. We are the kings of smaller countries like Switzerland, like Serbia, Hungary, Romania, Poland, uh, Slovakia, etc. Interesting, we went to Africa nine years ago with media and marketplaces and are now the largest investor of media marketplaces in sub-Saharan Africa. So that's a step we did. And so you open it up now. Are there steps beyond beyond that also when you look at the media space in those countries, again, which are not unlike, of course, when you make a similar analogy to the complexities, the relationship between government and media in Eastern Europe. We have a lot of homework to do um, in in Africa. So we are in Kenya, uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Senegal. Uh, We were in Tanzania, Uganda, etc. So these are our markets, again, for media marketplaces. We do reach dozens of millions of people every day, huge markets. Uh, Nigeria is a market with 260 million people living there. They are selling more mobile phones per year than toothbrushes. So it it shows you at what point digitization, smartphones, etc. are important. The problem is at the moment, the challenge for us is very little money for the digital services we offer, be it in marketplaces, be it in media, because, of course, incomes are super low in Africa. Scale is huge and we have to deal with this. I'm sure that the uh, investment we do, we are still losing money in Africa, but the investment we do will pay out because Africans will slowly go towards where Europe and the US went. They will be able to pay for digital services, be it in journalism, be it in digital marketplaces. I think it's the maybe biggest adventure Ringier has done in the past uh, 100 years. Finally, just before we go, this is, of course, at the turn and at the transition into a new year. You're talking, of course, to lots of interesting players. You have to talk to your advertising partners, your distribution partners. Mark Valder and, and Ringier's house view as you look across to to 2022-2023 in terms of just sentiment, what you're hearing now. Spending is coming in. What's what's the mood as we look ahead? I am, and this might surprise, maybe even not, I am super positive. I'm really positive. I'm aware we're in a super difficult situation with record high numbers here. Omicron is all over the place, etc. But first of all, I truly believe talking to all, you know, people who are relevant for, for the pandemic, we are shifting now in the next year towards from pandemic situation into endemic situation. I'm pretty much convinced. I think consumption will increase. I think people will jump into their life finally after two years. Uh, They will enjoy life. They will spend money. I see the future quite bright.
My thanks to the CEO of Ringier, Mark Valder, for joining me for this week's episode of The Chiefs. This edition of The Chiefs was produced by Paige Reynolds and edited by Steph Chungo with the recording assistance of Desiree Bandley. I'm Tyler Brulé in Zurich. Thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.